0: Voyager Radio, Self Development Radio for the Open Mind.
1: Interviews with leading edge authors and speakers, psychic phenomena and the unexplained, UFOs, extraterrestrial
0: encounters, government cover ups, alternative health care, new technologies. And now, Bruce Stephen Holmes for Timeless
1: Voyager Radio. The Mon Talk. Project. Now, anyone who has listened to Timeless Voyager Radio on a regular basis is familiar with Al Bielek and the Philadelphia Experiment. Many times when Al Bielek talks, he talks about how the Philadelphia Experiment became part of the Montauk Project. This evening, my guest is Preston Nichols. He is the author of the Montauk Project and Montauk Revisited. And we're going to talk specifically about that project what it meant and what it means to us all today. Welcome to the show, Preston. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now, the Montauk Project the Mon- and Montauk Revisited, two very interesting books authored by you. Let's talk about the Montauk Project. What was the Montauk Project?
2: Well, when they got the Philadelphia Experiment operational, which eventually evolved into the stealth technology, they had to figure out how the human being could take the very strong electromagnetic fields. Out of this arose a study into how human beings respond to electromagnetic fields, and this evolved into how can you control what people are saying, doing, thinking, and etc. using electromagnetic fields. And this eventually evolved into possible time travel, whether or not this was possible.
1: All right, so you're saying that that the uh, high electromagnetic fields not only had a major effect, of course, on the human being and and disrupting what is called the time lock. That's a person's ability to stay within time-space continuum that they're in but um, at the same time is able to, in a way, change their ability to, what, make free will choices or something?
2: This is what was being aimed at, although it wasn't all 100% effective, of course.
1: Now, where is Montauk for people who are not sure of that?
2: Okay, if you know where New York City is, Long Island is a suburb that goes east of New York City. It's an island that is roughly 120 miles long. On the south eastern tip of Long Island is Montauk Point. The Montauk Project took place on a deserted Air Force Station, known as the Montauk Air Force Station, hence the name of the Montauk Project. Just like uh, Project Invisibility was known as the Philadelphia Experiment was done in Philadelphia, Montauk was done at Montauk, New York.
1: Now, Preston, what? Uh, how do you have all of this information?
2: I was one of the civilian employees at the Montauk Project. I was in charge of uh, modifying and and keep repairing maintenance on some of the electronic equipment out at the Montauk Project.
1: So you were actually there during uh, what 1940? No, let's see. Where would that be?
2: I was there from roughly 1969 about nineteen eighty
1: three now I almost made a mistake there because I was thinking about the Philadelphia experiment, which happened in 1943, yes. uh the the link up the link up the time uh, warp that occurred was mm-hmm. between nineteen forty three and nineteen eighty three what happened in nineteen eighty three I think this is a very important for people to start getting an idea
2: well nineteen eighty three that's where by the use of what we call witnessing in the metaphysical field, a loophole, a wormhole, so to speak, in the fabric of space-time, was formed between Montauk, 1983, and Philadelphia, 1943. This was done literally by connecting the two time points through radio transmissions through time by having Equipment and people at the same place at the same times, and by using the biorhythm of the Earth as well to connect the two points. This is why you have the 43, the 63, the 83, and so on points, which represents a energetic peak in the Earth's bio cycle itself.
1: Now, of course, the, uh, the question, the old uh, which came first, the chicken or the egg, comes up. <laughs> yes, <I know. laughs> Here it comes, right? <laughs> right. So, so, did the people in Montauk uh, plan this thing uh, for, uh, to hook up with um, Philadelphia?
2: There is some evidence that this happened because uh, Al Bielek or Edward Cameron remembers being told that the Philadelphia experiment had to happen August 12, 1943, or not happen at all which is an idea that uh, the thing was forced, that the dates were forced to, you know, was forced to happen on those dates.
1: Let's talk about Edward Cameron for a few moments. Yeah. Uh, he became very interesting, uh, certainly very important. Uh, in the Philadelphia Experiment, he was the uh, brother that jumped off overboard. It's so hard because there are people that probably have not seen the movie, and I suggest you mm-hmm. s- strongly go out and rent the Philadelphia Experiment. Um, uh, <laughs> the first movie, not the second one. The right. Philadelphia Experiment, not whatever the other one was. Uh, Edward Cameron was the one who jumped overboard after he and his brother.
2: Duncan Cameron.
1: I'm sorry, Duncan. Oh wait, who was who?
2: There's Edward Cameron. You know him as Al Billick.
1: Right. Okay. I got. It. I knew I had it reversed. This, it's there's Duncan Cameron. Right. Duncan Cameron was the one who literally. Uh, as my understanding is, became very important in the Montauk Project. Am I wrong in that? Yes,
2: this is very true. Yeah,
1: I'm right. Okay. So I'm
2: going to see the Montauk Project was essentially a mind amplifier. Whatever a person could think of generated his mind, this thing created a virtual or an artificial reality which was broadcasted out into the ethers.
1: Now, let me see. There was a little, according to the book, and I remember this book very well, there was a picture of a chair.
2: The chair was, we call that the Montauk chair, that was a lounge chair with a group of sensors that would pick the waves, so to speak, right out of the person. That was the input of the system. Then from there it went to a group of computers that would align, phase align, time align the signal, and then it went to a very large old-style radar transmitter, which the final amplifier was essentially a particle accelerator, where they were tapping the power right out of the atom itself, by accelerating particles to speed of light and tapping the vast amounts of energy that will release when you do that.
1: So now it was found that by having someone who had real strong psychic abilities, which of course Duncan was one of them, Mm -hmm. and hooking him up, uh, in this, this chair. Pile of equipment. Right, you are able to then create some very interesting realities of oh, which... Oh, yeah. Uh, why don't we talk about some of them?
2: Whatever... See, so you got to remember, when you think of something, when you think a thought, a lot of people in the metaphysical, the Hindu field, philosophy in general, believe that that... Idea: something is created somewhere in a reality that you create, a fleeting short a period of time as it is created. Now, what we did was we took this thought, this creation, and amplified it, boosted it to the point where it became real and physical in our reality. We were able to create solid objects. We were able to create wormholes, vortexes. Time tunnels, so to speak, to other times and space. We were able to transmit thoughts to other human beings and dominate what they thought and did, etc. It just went on and on and on. Now, and an avant-garde project like this, almost anything you do with it is interesting.
1: Now, uh, let me see here. I'm going to stop for a moment. I want to tell people that there are three books... All right, I'm going to do this uh, a little bit uh, for people because I tell you, it's hard to find these books, folks. If you can find these books, good luck. Here they are. The Montauk Project, Montauk Revisited, and The Pyramids of Montauk. There are actually three books. Uh, Preston, let's continue talking then about this uh, chair, about the fact that when uh, some... Well, was it only Duncan who sat in that chair?
2: No, there are other people who sat in the chair. We had multiple chairs of Montauk, and each one was tuned for a different person. These things had to be tuned to the frequency transform, or the vibe, that the persons would generate.
1: Now, what kind of things would these people then uh, think of? What were some of the things that were done?
2: Well, as we mentioned earlier, they would uh, think of targeting a particular person or a group of people, and transmitting thoughts and such to them they could also envision an object. If the object was within the information bandwidth of the system, the object would be created in its full physicality and would remain intact. If not, it might be an image or it might be partially physical. Who knows?
1: Give us an example of, a, of an, Im- an object that uh, was manifested through this process.
2: We tried everything from inanimate objects such as Uh, glasses, cans, uh, technical paraphernalia. Whatever we had laying around, we would show the psychic, and that person would try to envision it. We had some success doing lower life forms and insects, but we couldn't get much beyond something like a mouse, you know, a small mouse or a small rodent. We couldn't we couldn't uh, we couldn't generate a squirrel for instance. Apparently either the person couldn't envision it completely or the equipment didn't have enough fidelity, so to speak, to reproduce the vibes or the frequency transform that represent the object. See every solid object starts out as a group of frequencies. It starts out as first like a donut and then it becomes a cylindrical shell and then that forms into the atomic structure, and it just keeps building from there.
1: Preston, I want to ask you this. Now, if I remember correctly in the book, you talked about creating a, um, well, I don't know what to call it, a, a tunnel, a time tunnel, a way to get to different places. Now, does this mean that you were able to do uh, uh, interplanetary uh, travel?
2: This is the report. See, you got to remember, I was not in on the logistics of the project. I knew what we were trying to do because we had to be told that, and I was in on the technical and the scientific aspects, and we were told that we were trying to build a time tunnel or a time transportation device. And if you control time, you also control space. You know, the same technology would do either space travel or time travel or both. So yes, there are reports that a opening or a portal was uh, formed between Montauk, 1980 something, and the underground of Mars, and then the Big Pyramid on Mars. This is from Witnesses' Recollections.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, this is absolutely incredible. Uh, folks, I tell you what we're going to do, we're going to open up the phone lines if you'd like to speak directly with Preston Nichols. We're going to talk about time travel and, and everything else you can imagine, I guess, if it has to do with Montauk. Mm-hmm. Uh, Preston, my understanding is that, according to Al Bielek, uh, there was one image that came through that pretty much destroyed Montauk.
2: Okay, you're thinking of uh, what was known as the Beast. That's right. Or Junior. It was decided by a group of people on the project that the project was headed in a bad, negative direction and had to be crashed. And the idea was surface the is or monster out of the subconscious and allow this thing to become fully created, fully potentialized, and just let it run amok around the place and shut it down. And it did work quite well. The thing appeared. But we had trouble shutting the equipment off, being that the equipment ended up in some sort of a space-time energy lock. And the only way we could stop it was to actually hack the equipment apart at Montauk. At the same time, Duncan went back to the Eldridge and hacked the equipment apart on the Eldridge.
1: So this is why everything had to be hacked apart?
2: Yeah, because the thing became self-supporting. It didn't need outside power sources anymore.
1: Unbelievable. Let's take a call from Mike, Tampa, Florida. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hello? Yes, there you are, Mike.
3: Okay, I'd like to have um, ask a
2: question. Sure. About time travel? You got it. Um,
1: You're addressing it to Preston Nichols, right?
2: Right. Um, on that matter, um, the Philadelphia experiment, was that really a um, reality? I don't understand the question. I mean, was it really?
1: true? <laughs> Mike, you're listening to Timeless Voyager Radio. Of course, it was true. <laughs>
2: oh, he's asking, was it true? Yes, it's true.
1: <laughs> Mike, I'm not laughing at you. I'm just, I'm just laughing. You asked Preston if it was really true.
2: Uh, yeah, I was asking about um, if time travel was really true. How come yes, time I- travel is true? And, and the government conducted the experiment. The government. So to speak, we believe it's the secret sector of the government security sector has essentially a super technology way in advance of what we have in the private sector. We today now are coming up with the theories through quantum physics of how to do time travel, space travel, using electromagnetic functions, which we were playing with out of Montauk 20, 30 years ago.
1: So does that answer your question, Mike?
2: Yep. Thank
1: you. Thanks for the call.
4: Matthew Wichita.
1: Alright, we have Matthew from Wichita, Kansas. Welcome to the show, Matthew.
4: Hi, what's going on?
1: <laughs> I hope you know, I don't want to have oh, to know. review it's, it. <laughs> yeah,
4: um, I was um I read these books, um, by uh, Roger Zinley. It's a fiction story about uh shadows, how there's um not really any time. But uh instead of time travel, let's say if we traveled back in time, we'd actually go to a different shadow, which was really a different world. I mean, do you think there's any possibility of that being true?
2: Well, this is one interpretation of how time actually works. Although time is not time as we know it, all time coexists. That's saying the same thing.
1: So basically what you're saying, Preston, is that everything that happens is happening all the time at, the, at same the same
2: time time so to speak right it 's hard to define what time
1: is so everyone it's almost as though it's like dominoes um, every 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 event is still there it 's just that we're moving along the line of the dominoes we don 't know that we could go back and forth if we wanted to
2: well we're fixed into a present based upon how our reality functions hmm the error factors that make everything physical and make the solidified waves
1: that here's we
2: call matter.
1: A, here's a better example. A uh, film, like, an, uh, like a uh, 35 millimeter film. Every single frame is present
2: mm-hmm.
1: even though the projector, the,
2: projector, yes. the
1: projector moves through it and causes it to be motion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So time is a lot like that?
2: Yeah, there, there is a quantum of time. I don't know. It's infinitely small,
4: (coughs) but it does exist.
1: Matthew, does that explain it to you?
4: Yeah, kind of. I mean, um, I was thinking more along the lines you know, how, like, you know, a popular film, you know, for the mass media was Back to the Future. You know, how, like, in the uh, second and third ones where they went back in time and they changed, you know, uh, history and they jumped to a new line? I mean, the, the thought pattern I was thinking was that. If you change time, you really want to change time on that line. You just go to someplace else, which was
1: like this where is you were. This pretty much true. Yeah. Okay.
4: What you're saying is pretty
2: much true.
1: Right. So The, the point. problem is, yeah.
2: when you go from the present back to the past, you become part of the past, and you lose your awareness of what time was. And far as you're yeah. concerned, nothing changed.
4: Yeah, well, I mean, what I was more meaning was not that you're actually in the past. You're in an entirely new place. I mean, like... Yeah, you, you, you do generate a new existence. Yeah. Now, what's,
1: so that's interesting, that's what's interesting about that, from what I understand, Preston, from what you've just said, is that how can a person who moves back in time, can they keep their awareness, though, from where they've come from?
2: No, because they've become part of that past. And the awareness they have is based upon the new timeline that they're switching to.
1: Which that's quite a bit different from, uh, the, from the movie, isn't it? Yes, it is. All right, Matthew, any other questions?
4: No, that, that'll be all.
1: Stay Thanks fine. a lot for your call. Uh, very interesting point. So, so uh, time travel, as we have speculated in, uh, in writings about it, doesn't seem like it'll work according to what you just said.
2: No, because you will, you will not remember what time was, what the original timeline was you were on
1: so if you go back in time <laughs> it's goodbye right
2: it could very well be if you interact and you change time you're not going to remember a thing so
1: it's, you can't
2: pretty much stand in quantum physics
1: so you can't go back as an observer or can you go back in as an observer and remain in your awareness mode from where you came from
2: well they were able to send back a consciousness to observe from almost but since there was no interaction, there was no change in the flow of time. It was just observations, different points along the timeline,
1: okay. so to speak. All right, let's take a call from Greg Burlington, Vermont. Welcome to the show, Greg.
3: Hey, thanks a lot. Uh, my question uh, was in reference to something I saw on the Internet, and this might relate. That's why I say uh, it was uh, referring to something called uh, the Moorish Science Temple and experiments going on in the Pine Barren area of New Jersey. Yes, I Um, keep
2: hearing these rumors.
3: And that there was supposedly some kind of a vehicle called an egg uh, that one would get into, and that there were were essentially separate realities with an identical Earth counterpart in each one, and they were naming them like Earth 1, Earth 2, or America 1, America 2, and that there were actual teams going out and exploring these places. Have you ever heard of that, or does this relate to this particular experiment?
2: It doesn't relate to the Montauk Project, but yes, I've heard of the egg experiment, the Time egg, I believe it's called. I have run into some people in the southern Jersey around the Princeton area that believe they were part of it.
3: Yeah, it only refers to it as the Pine Barrens.
2: Yeah, this is also the same region that produced the famous project known as Dream Sleep. There's a famous movie called Dreamscape, which
3: is based upon DreamSleep.
1: Greg, tell me something, Greg, before sure. we let you go. Where, uh, What part of the Internet did you get that from?
3: I'll tell you very honestly, I didn't get it. Okay. Uh, a friend of mine did and gave me a printed-out copy, but I, I think it was on Paranet. Huh. Yeah, probably Paranet, Paranet
2: would sound like a good
3: uh, try. And it was listed under the, uh, under the name of Incanabula?
2: Incanabula.
3: Which is a company that I guess was dealing in books all concerning the subject, and it was, you know, the yeah, weird that's thing out was of Ohio. What's that?
2: That's out of Ohio.
3: It is okay. I didn't know, um, and uh, it's interesting. I know I I know the people in that book company.
1: All right. Yeah. All right, Greg. Uh, anything else? Uh,
3: just also, uh, uh, will you be coming out with any uh, any more books? And also, I was wondering because uh, I'd heard you on I think this program before. What is the, uh, what's the situation that you have a, a brother who was uh, sh- moved from one body to another? You're uh, thinking of, of Al of Bielik. It. I'm yeah. not Al Bielik.
1: You're thinking of Al Bielik, who, uh, who uh, uh, Preston Nichols is a gentleman who was working in Montauk. Al oh. Bielik was one of the people who went into Montauk.
3: Oh, I see. Is from there any way the you elders. could talk about that a little? Or?
1: Well, we may not be able to get to it, but I'm going to have Al Bielik back soon, so oh. you could look forward to that.
3: Sure. And is there a way to get tapes of these shows?
1: Absolutely, Greg. Thanks for asking. And I'll tell you in a few moments how you can do that. Thanks. All right. Thanks for your call. Uh, Let's see. Preston, you know, there's so many questions. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Uh, Montauk Revisited. Tell us a little bit about that book, and what was the purpose of of writing another book about Montauk? Well,
2: Montauk Revisited has either not known or not included in Montauk projects, starting with the Montauk boys and the uh, total destruction of these uh, young boys and, you know, mind control work on the young boys or what up through the development of the transistor connects to...
1: Okay, uh, let's take a call. Uh, John, St. Petersburg, Florida. Welcome to the show, John.
5: Oh, thanks for another great show, and uh, thank you for your, your guest, really. All right. Uh, The Pentagon, in developing ESP weapons, Uh, I'm going to be just asking a question on that. Is that okay? Yep. Okay. Uh, The the Pentagon has spent millions of dollars in guarded basement, uh, top secret um, psychic development uh, Mm -hmm. of like a task force trying to perfect uh, the psycho-tectronic weapons. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, that's all part of the
2: Phoenix Project. Uh-huh. Which has to do with any weaponization of anything to do with the mind, of extrasensory perception. Like, mm-hmm. is this there any is information mind control published on in general?
5: Huh? Army, this is mind control in general. Right? Are there any white papers that you know of that have been published on this? I haven't seen any. Would uh, would, the, would the host consider doing a show on that one night, on ESP weaponry? because
1: <laughs> well, it does exist no I'm not, I'm not laughing that it, because it doesn't exist the, the problem is that most of the people who have written any kind of information on this are very difficult to get on the air <laughs>
2: I'm about the only one that will get on the They're, air because
1: listen just a second John here's, yeah. what, here's the issue that you're talking about now we're living in a time which is pretty evident that there's a lot going on out there now, without making any statements, you know what just happened in Oklahoma City, and you have seen the way the government is handling that. Yeah. Now there are a lot of people who have a lot of information about mind control, who are really very scared right now, and so uh, I will look into it. Certainly, it's worth having on the air, but um, don't hold your breath for a little while.
5: I'm, I, may I make a comment? Sure. Yeah, I have a, a list uh, somewhere in my files of of top metaphysical people all over the world, there are hundreds of them. Mm-hmm. Maybe that just mailing that to you when I order my tapes from you in a week or two, um, you might just be able to check out certain people in this metaphysical list, like I'm sure you have. Please do. That would be a reference to you.
1: Thanks, John. I'll, I'll do that, send it to me, and I'll look it over. Okay. Uh, Preston, we were talking for a few minutes uh, before John's call, very important call, um, about and you just glossed over it, so I want to hit it real hard, Okay. the boys, the young boys that were um, certainly uh, manipulated uh, psychically and and, uh, psychologically and so on and so forth, let's talk about them in Montauk Revisited.
2: Well, let's uh, say at this point that we're not presenting this information to incite anyone to do anything nasty. We are essentially interested in peaceful change of uh, what's happening in this country. But to get into the actual meat of it, uh, literally they would kidnap some boys anywhere from 8 to maybe 20 years of age, depending upon genetotypes and uh, level of development and this sort of thing. They would somehow extract the non-physical mind from the body. They would do this through metaphysical means, technological means. In some cases, it was just war beating the kid to near death. And when the mind would leave the body, they would somehow capture this mind, would put it on a computer as pattern. The computer would reform the mind, condition it, so to speak. And then it would be reinserted back in the body, either through technological means or human means, by a psychic putting the mind back in through some sort of ritualistic function. And they would be making up almost like an army of sleeper agents ready to accept programming.
1: Now, the reason that I had you bring that up is because there are many people who believe that we see sleeper agents every once in a while committing atrocities, things that do not make any sense at all someone who leads a very quiet life all of a sudden goes they to a snap. right goes to a McDonald's and shoots 30 or 40 people mm-hmm. and then kills himself and we don't even know what happened um, there are those who believe that this kind of behavior has in it the type of training that you're speaking of
2: it's very possible
1: and you're we saying don't that
2: no what what these guys are set up to do. All we know is they're out there.
1: Now, if this was happening in, let's say, the late 60s, early 70s, no, where is this happening?
2: It's happening all over the country.
1: But, I mean, when was when was this particular episode occurring? The, the Montauk the, the
2: Boys seem to be between roughly 1970 and, believe it or not, present day. It's still going on. We were out of Montauk, and... One of the ladies we were talking to showed us a picture of her son. I said, you better be careful of them. You know, they uh, kidnap, uh, they have been kidnapping boys for the Montauk Project. I so said, yes, I know the police in the town of Montauk warned her to be very careful of their sons because they're still kidnapping blonde-haired, blue-eyed boys.
1: So this almost sounds uh, Aryan. It almost
2: sounds uh, nasty. Very,
1: very Aryan.
2: Yes. Although it was not only Aryans they took. They were interested in some genetics, which we still don't fully understand because I'm still personally unraveling this part of the project by finding these boys and deprogramming them.
1: Now, you have successfully deprogrammed a few, haven't you? A few, yes. What is the general characteristics that, that they have?
2: Well, the ones I've been able to find already started to break their programming and came to me for help. The ones that we don't find are the ones that blend in our society and mm-hmm. no one even knows it.
1: Now, do they have uh, pre-programmed information or are they being programmed uh, when, the, when it is necessary?
2: I believe they're going to be programmed when it's necessary. They have open programming slots in their mind ready to accept programs, possibly from a distance through some sort of radio. Also, these kids have a tendency to be implanted with silicon chips.
1: Now, of course, we hear that, and then people laugh at that idea, but we have heard that there are people out there now who claim they have silicon chips, and of course...
2: I have technology here that can pick up the emanations from the uh, nanotechnology processing, you know, radiations that don't belong in the human body.
1: So you can tell if a person has the chip?
2: I uh, look for the radiations. I also look for distortions in the aura. I use both metaphysical and physics as well to find them.
1: So for you, this is not hearsay, and it's certainly no. not science fiction.
2: I've seen the chips. I've, I've picked them up in people. I've seen chips removed from, the, from cadavers. Believe well, me, they are real.
1: Uh, Preston, we just have a few minutes. We need to kind okay. of wrap this thing up. What do you think is the future of the work and the experimentation that has been done with this project so far?
2: Well, from what we've seen so far, the project has been heading at one particular direction, control and domination of the population. Although it does appear that the upper forces worked through the project for nine days and balanced it out, that's the subject of a future book to come out.
1: That's what I was going to ask you next.
2: Known as, well, we're coming out with two books. We're coming out with a book, the working title right now is Encounter in the Pleiades, which is a book on ufology, ufo hmm. This will be a different one because this will go into actually how UFOs work and my own personal experiences with UFOs as far as abductions and uh, seeing technology in the government sector.
1: Wow, that's Fixed something to look forward to.
2: And then <clears throat> Montauk Reconciled will be how the forces of God, for want of better words, use the last nine days to balance out millions of years of negativity coming through all these projects. So we found out the Montauk Project is not a one and only. <laughs> There's maybe 10,000 or more of these projects going through space and time. And that I believe this whole thing created the reality we're in this alternate timeline. Right. The original creator wanted to keep his uh, influence here to attempt to keep us to a free mind, which is what we originally created. And I think we're going to win this out eventually and still keep our free mind, although there's powers here that doesn't want us to have a free
1: mind. All right, Preston Nichols.
2: I'm not talking of the people in Congress and such, I'm right. talking of the people buried within the world government.
1: Preston Nichols, thank you so much for being with me this evening. I hope we can do this again. I really enjoyed it, and I hope that you will return.
2: Mm -hmm. If you want us to return, just give me a call.
1: (laughs) You'll be back then. Okay. Thanks very much.